Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. nice out here. Good to get away from people. Ah, uh, they'll take care of the hotel too. You don't need to worry about that. And they've got these uh, police auctions when there's no clear line of inheritance. They fix the place up, clean up the um, bloodstains and whatnot. Looks like a different place. You'd never believe it. Huh. Matter of fact, perhaps I'll put in a bid for her myself. I could give up this line of work, move out here permanent, convert the old place into a gourmet fish restaurant. One of those places that does experimental flavors. The kind of dishes that shouldn't make sense, but they do anyway. Hmm. Trout and pineapple. Prawn and licorice. <laughs> no, you're right. I wouldn't eat that. The hotelier doesn't talk, but that's okay. He just watches me through swollen black button eyes, his tendrilled mouth smelling and searching at the air, emitting some kind of pungent black ink into the bottom of the rowboat. Apparently quite contented with our situation. He doesn't seem to want to attack me. He barely seems to register me. 
Once the hotelier was no longer able to draw, and he drew relentlessly, inscrutable swirls and patterns of that same ink across the walls until I was finally able to lure him with heaps of maggot bait up out of the basement where he'd been imprisoned. He seemed to forget his own purpose. He's been dormant ever since. There might be prawn in the origins of him. Perhaps that's why he didn't like my cooking ideas. Little crawfish in the maw of his mouth. Little crab in the stalks of his glistening eyes. A little of his past life, too. And the shrunken human arms that hang limply from the front of his carapace chest. Just get rid of the evidence, the higher-ups told me on the morning after the fishing boat came drifting into town and everyone in Marcel's Crossing started screaming like the old churches were rolling back into town and sacrificing firstborns without the proper paperwork. They said, take pictures if you need to, but get rid of what's been made and do it quietly. We can't afford further panic in this territory and these local coppers, they can't be trusted. Maybe some of them are worshipping this podunk river god in secret. Maybe they're part of the problem. Did you ever stop to think about that, Hayward? Hardly seems fair, but I do as I'm told. You know, the best god I ever met, they called him Henge. He haunted a village up north. He didn't ask much of you. He liked keepsakes, things that were no longer useful. Maybe you had a ring you didn't want to wear anymore because maybe it hurt too much. Or you had a key that you weren't going to use for a very long time, but you wanted to be able to find it again when you did. Or maybe your kid would be born with their eyes and throat shut tight and you didn't know how to move on. You'd wrap your keepsake in green cotton. And you'd bury it under a pile of pebbles in a place only you knew. And you'd make the prayer marks so the hinge would know just what was being offered. And then one day, years later, when you were ready to pick up whatever you'd left behind, but perhaps you didn't even know it yourself, you'd turn and look outside your window, and the ring would be hanging from a tree branch outside. The key would be resting on your sill. There'd be a newborn child wrapped in green cloth resting upon your doorstep. I never understood what Henge wanted with that stuff, but I understand the appeal of going through it. How nice it was to feel that someone had stopped to pick up the things you needed to drop. I don't think I understand the people who did this to you. Not convinced they understand it themselves. Can you tell me where those two were headed, at least? What are they hoping to find? Uh-huh. You think the humane thing to do would be to find you a glass tank somewhere. See if we can do some tests and figure this whole thing out. Agreed. Huh. Tuna and peaches. That's something I could eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. 
These are the silk verses, and these are our disciples in the order of their arrival. Jimmy Yamaguchi, Mintaka Angel, Calder Dockerty, Jonah Knight. Written by John Ware and produced by Muna Hassan. Audio production by Sammy Holden. Felix, Felix, receiving Iris 9, you have been mustered. Hayward, Hayward, where the fuck have you been? Doing as I was told, disposing of the hotelier? We're in trouble, Hayward. The lieutenant colonel heard there'd been a second miracle. They're worried you might not be able to close this one. They're sending an- Hayward? Felix, you're cutting out. Hayward, did you hear me? I said they're sending someone else. A real tough customer, Hayward. You need to be- I don't need them to send anyone. I've barely begun. I already have my suspects. I can close a case as well as anybody. Did you load the two profiles into the system like I asked? What came back, huh? Do we- We even have a proper file on this river god? Because if Criminal Records has lost the file, that's not my fault. I'm not responsible. Who, uh, are they sending, anyhow? Felix? Felix! God's damn hick signal in this God's damn hick town! Damn it! Damn them! You're 19 years old. You've completed your seven weeks of training. You've been assigned your corner desk in the Cremator District Station in Southern Glottage. But when you're not out on patrol, you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing, and nobody is willing to give you any genuine casework. So you spend a lot of time doing what you're doing now, typing out your grocery list for this evening, frowning formidably as you examine it then deleting the entire thing and beginning again. And then, quite suddenly, a bell begins to ring, and everyone all around the bullpen gets to their feet jostling and laughing amongst themselves. You don't know that when the stink begins to gather around an investigating officer, when others begin to whisper that they're no longer capable of closing cases, it tends to only get worse. The stink... It lingers in the corridors, in the stares and hisses of those watching the unhappy failure trudge by. It builds, and it worsens. They're handed the unsolvable cases, the absurd cases. The situations that defy all logic, and which nobody else wants to even think about. Nobody stops to help them. Old friends begin to avoid them. Because the smell, pungent and florid and foul, is simply too much to bear. They can scrub themselves clean for hours at a time, spray torrents of expensive scent across themselves. The stink leaks through all the same. Gradually, the stink's chosen sacrifice begins to understand the inevitability of what they're becoming. They find that their desk has been moved out of the bullpen, into the stairwell, and chained up with a thick padlock against the pipes there, so they can complain and struggle and yank all they want. But eventually, they have no choice if they want to finish the day's work other than to grumblingly take their seat in the stairwell and accept their place. But the sacrifice doesn't run. 
I don't try and flee their contract. They stick around, and that's how it gets them. Because the sacrifice wants to believe that if they just close that one case, if they just put the pieces together in the right way, they can turn back the tide of who they've become. And so, you're standing there, as the bell rings and a slovenly, white mutton-chopped officer is dragged forth from the interrogation room. A collar has been fixed around his neck, on the end of a long restraining rod, and he dances and struggles unhappily as he's led through the bullpen. One of us happily grabs a case file and stuffs it down his shirt. Curling, you're the one who couldn't close the Silver Avenue burglaries. And he follows up with a swift kick to Curling's thigh. Someone else stuffs a wad of paper into Curling's open, slobbering mouth. Curling, you're the one who couldn't catch the Willington Slasher in time, you bungler. You couldn't save them, Curling. Why couldn't you? He's sobbing, flailing frantically and ineffectually as they chase him through the bullpen and out into the yard. And the rest of us gather at the windows while they continue striking at him with their fists and their boots and their batons. And the crumpled case file papers spill forth from every crack of his gross and shamefully untidy uniform as he stumbles to the ground, bruised and bloody. And finally, the participating officers of Cremator District gather around him in a circle, draw their service revolvers, and fire a ten-gun salute down into his trembling body. It's like breathing out. You feel the tension across the bullpen dissipating as the echoes of the gunshots fade. The stink has been driven back for another day, everyone is thinking, as the body is tossed unceremoniously out onto the pavement. What a relief. But you, you don't understand why any of this is happening yet. You're just so relieved that it isn't you. Yes, yes, I'm over here. I'm, I'm your ride. Asshole doesn't look so tough. How you doing? I'm, I'm Hayward. Dagler. Let's get going, huh? Hmm. Your radio there looks busted. Tannoy's in bad shape as well. Yes, I know. The, uh... Tannoy damage is largely superficial. Just broke the radio dial, that's all. So what's the report? Uh, well, I arrived here a couple of nights ago. Reports of false faith activity in the area. And there was this fishing boat that had gone missing, the crew lost. This place used to be sacred to some old forbidden river god before the purges. So there's a lot of sensitivity here. 
Then, in the course of my investigations, I encountered a local hotelier who had been hallowed, transfigured. There's no license or contract left behind, and uh, no approved faith has claimed responsibility, so I'm guessing it was the same culprits, the disciples of this river god. I called it in, and then the very next morning, the fishing boat came back as well, the crew again transfigured. Some kind of miracle. So, whatever old faith used to be active around here, it looks like it's come back swinging. The good news is, we already have an idea of who's responsible. I met this pair of -of out-of-towners who came into Marcel's Crossing just before it all kicked off. And we raised their descriptions in the system, and we're just waiting to hear back. And, uh, it's only a matter of time before we track them down. You found your suspects, and then you let them go? Well, I didn't know at the time that they, uh... I've told my story out of order. I think I've probably confused things unnecessarily. Uh, anyway, my point is, we're on the case, and we'll find them. Glad to hear everything's in hand. Oh, it's in hand. (sighs) You alright there, Dagler? Could be nothing. Just thought for a second there was a nasty stink in the air. (laughs) Ha, probably the exhaust. (laughs) Whole place is empty. The hotelier was the only one working here, and he, well, you know what happened to him. Felix says we can stay here as long as the investigation needs. Won't need long. What room are you? Uh, 203. But like I said, the place is empty, so plenty of space for- I'll take 204. Get your radio fixed before we head out. I like to listen to a show when I'm driving. You're dri- Sure thing, partner. Sure. Just, um, let me know if you need anything else, won't you? Come on, come on, you son of a- Hayward. Hayward. Hayward, come in. Hey, Felix. Uh, Just, uh, trying to fix the radio. Did you pick up Dagler? Yes, and we're firm friends. Who is this asshole, Felix? He's from the North Country. Closed a big case in the past connected to this god. Do you remember the drowning song? Should I? Outbreak of ritual self-sacrifice in schools up and down the peninsula maybe a decade ago now. Nobody could figure out how it was happening, but Dagler, he brought the suspects to trial, got a full confession. And that was this god that did all of that? This podunk river god? These people have been looking for a fight since the time of Devlin. They've got a lot of grudges to bear. Hayward, watch out for Dagler. Why? He's got one of those rhetorical gods for personal worship. They banned those from general use. Well, he's an exception. Officially licensed by his station and everything. According to his personnel file, he's had it since he was a child, and it's a necessity for his working health. He gets nervous at trial, and it helps him concentrate. 
lot of complaints stacking up about him over the years. None of them ever go anywhere. Some of the officers who raise them find themselves in trouble shortly afterwards. If he thinks that closing this case is a competition... It'll be my word against his. All right. I'd better go, Felix. Thanks for the heads up. Not much you can do to avoid getting the stink on you if you're insistent on doing things by the book. But, once upon the time, there was a roaring trade in personal worship across the Peninsulan police force. It's unreliable, but it can be done. You buy a fragment of some old broken-down shrine on the black market, a chipped finger or tendril from the reliquaries of a forgotten or outlawed god, and you worship it, hanging from your neck or stitched into your chest day after day, in the hope that you can tease something out of it, generate some kind of grace for yourself. A god of bullets, so you'll never miss. A bureaucratic god to help get you through the paperwork. And formed from the smashed up statuary and scriptures of the great propaganda deities that helped to turn the tide of the last war. A rhetorical god to help your truth find sympathetic ears. Just in case that witness turns against you or your evidence might not hold up to the closest of scrutiny. Not a liar's god. You can't call it a liar's god. The Union were very clear on that. Even when they were banned. We can open ourselves up to be countersued. Get things wrong and every successful case across the past 20 years could be thrown out. The official line is, we have reconsidered the use of rhetorical worship in courtroom scenarios, nothing more. Somehow, Dagler has managed to hold on to his own little piece of history. I wonder if he... Sainted current. Time's up. Let's go see your bookseller. And, uh, Hayward, it's better if you don't refer to me as partner while we're interviewing him gives the impression that we're on an equal footing. And that is six o'clock, faithful listeners. Oh, another beautiful morning. I've lasted longer than any of them thought I would. (laughs) I can see them on the other side of the glass. They're staring at me and they're arguing and they're staring at me again. <laughs> My producer doesn't know what to make of this. He can't tell if I'm a miracle or a threat. <laughs> yeah. My predecessor, may she never know rest, lasted less than ten days before she gave out. Nothing out here worth listening to. I 
handler said you'd encountered this faith before. Once. I don't suppose you could brief me. The records that came through were patchy. Lots of retractions. Don't worry about it, Hayward. These people are criminals. That's all that matters. It's not what they believe. It's how they use it. Ah! Now this is my show. Brightest in brightest day, day in darkest night, I loose the warbler's mighty cry. My god comes to my aid in times of woe with a voice that makes villains' heads explode. I, uh, I don't think I know this one. Evildoers everywhere must fear, for they cannot flee the truth they hear. Come to wreck each horrid crew, it's Carly Cape. Glad you're enjoying yourself. Hello there. Make a note of this one. Wind Deities of the Lower Delta, Volume 4. Contraband. There's gods in here that shouldn't exist. Got it. Are you gentlemen in search of something particular, or, uh... Peterson, isn't it? We heard you were the expert on local history in these parts. That's not all they told us. We're looking to learn more about the Trawler Man's faith, the parish, they call it, don't they? They certainly used to. I don't think I have any books on that. We're looking to find out more about the recent events at Marcel's Crossing. We believe we may be looking at an outbreak of crimes connected to this god. As an expert on the subject, would you agree with that view? Recent events. Gentlemen, you'll have to excuse me. I don't get out much. I can't say I fully understand what you're referring to. We can't expect cooperation from him, Hayward. One cruel old faith protects another. You still keeping your brother upstairs, Peterson? Has he hashed into a moth yet? Or is he just spewing ink all over your floorboards and eating garbage, your sainted maggot? Bug-worshipping freak! Gentlemen, I'm trying my best to cooperate, please. Just be patient with me. You, you don't need to- ah, ah! You don't seem to understand, old man. Investigating Officer Hayward and I are servants of the cloak. We don't make mistakes. We find criminals. And if we say that our criminal is you, then it's you. And you have a responsibility to inform us if there are any more likely suspects we should be looking for. Hey, if I stepped on your sainted brother's head, what do you think would come out? I... I wait! I'll, I'll tell you the same thing I told the ones who came before. Just wait! Get off him a second. Just get off him! What did you say? Who came before? <laughs> Your fellow detectives. There haven't been any fellow detectives. I know what I saw. They said they were the Scrivener's acolytes, but they weren't anything of the kind. 
and and their eyes lit up the first second I spoke of your parish. Can you tell us anything about them? Uh, uh, a nice young man and an older woman. I didn't get his name, but she called herself Sandra. Seemed angry about something. I don't know what. It's them, Dagler. What did you tell them? Upon black ink and rotten parchment, truth shall be revealed. Upon black ink and rotten parchment, Answer him, truth old man. shall be revealed. Answer him, damn it! Upon black ink and rotten parchment, truth shall be revealed. Upon black ink and rotten parchment, truth shall be revealed. That's it! Ow! And then we're standing in front of a burnt-out house in the old woods. The long grass around it is blooming happily with splendid white birch. The house itself is blackened ruins, shattered windows. Almost nothing left of it. Whatever happened here looks recent. And there are tire tracks in the bracken as well. Likely this is one of their old churches, just like the bookseller said. I'm thinking they came across it, took what they could plunder, and then burnt it to make sure we couldn't find anything in the wreckage. You're certain? Like I said, I know these people. They've been building up their spite for three generations. They'd do anything to cover their tracks. Let's ask Central if they have any news yet from upriver. That's the way they'll be headed. The bookseller. Things went too far back there. The cloak understands that a small blood sacrifice may be required in pursuit of an investigation. He's alive, isn't he? He could press charges. Wouldn't serve him. You want to see something special, Hayward? He reaches under his shirt, produces something dangling from a string. It's a tongue. No, that should be a succession of tongues, dried and withered, sliced and stitched together into something long and ungainly with multiple lopping fingers that unrolls as he unclasps the iron hook that holds the entire thing together, hanging down over his chest like a necktie. This is Coiling Speaks. Personal god of mine. I've had him since I was a boy. Grandpa stole him from the wreckage of Nesh, the temples of their high propagandists, passed him down to Daddy, who passed him on to me. I love him more than anything. Nobody's ever caught me in a lie, Hayward. They can't make it stick to me. When I take a perp to court, he goes down. And when someone tries to screw with me, well... It's amazing how quickly that can turn around on them. The rest of you boys can whisper to the cloak as much as you like. I abide by my speaks, and he abides by me. And what does he take from you in return? Want to find out? <laughs> oh, I don't mind sharing, Hayward. Not with my partner. So long as he's looking out for me like I look out for him. What do you say? <laughs> That's right. Stick with me, kid. I'll make this case. Maybe we'll even get that stink off you. 
What do you... I can't smell anything. You will. There's no smell on me. I know that. This entire territory reeks already of fish, of stagnant and polluted waters from the great factories upriver. The foul aromas linger in the dilapidated places everywhere around us. But I, I don't smell. This is a simple case, and I know who I'm looking for. My pair of bird watchers in their van. I don't need Dagler. I'm going to close it. Just like I've closed so many others. I've proven myself to all of them, time and time again. The stink hasn't found me. It's not going to find me. I have no intention of ever becoming a victim. And yet, tonight, I stand in the shower, and I scrub. I scrub until the tiny motel bottle of shower gel is emptied. Next, the conditioner, then the shampoo. And when it's all gone, I slip down to the abandoned motel back rooms in my towel, and I root around until I find the bucket that's labeled cleaning supplies. I take soap and chemical wipes and a rough scouring cloth. I scrub until the skin comes off red and raw, and the scouring cloth is swimming in the blood that pools around my feet. I scrub. I scrub. I scrub. 